Good morning. Today we're going to be reading from 1 Peter 2, 4 through 12. If you have a pew Bible, it's going to be on page 1015. And I'm going to wait a second so you can find it. Okay, it looks like we're good. So don't mind this mass that's hanging from my other ear because it got stuck. So we'll just ignore that. So we'll start reading God's Word. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is God's word. I'm so glad to be in a room full of people that are so glad that Jesus lifted them. Amen. Good morning, church. We started a series a couple of weeks ago called Essential, where we're looking at a few important um, essential marks of a Christian what it means to be a Christian and, what, and relating to our call to make disciples. This series is designed to help us prepare for next week, Grace Gears. Well, like I said earlier, I think it was designed mostly to show us that our life is a, Grace Gears is a movement, not just an event. So I hope you are praying. I hope you're excited as I am. I hope you have already signed up to help to volunteer in some sort of capacity. But who here desires to be accepted? If I'm honest, that is one of my core idols. Ever since I was a little boy, I always wanted to be accepted by others. I mean, one day in fourth grade, I found out a kid that, that didn't like me. So I went up to him, I said, hey man, what's going on? Why don't you like me? He was like, man, I just don't like you. He had no reason at all. And it bothered me, even till today. <laughs> Who here trembles at the thought of being rejected? Whether you're waiting to hear back from that job you interviewed for, 
or maybe just shy to ask that girl out, or just a kid right in elementary school that is in line to be picked for kickball. We don't want to be rejected. And I'm convinced that we all need, we all have a need to be, a core need to be accepted inside of us. And I think this is one of the reasons why we don't evangelize, why we don't share our faith, why we don't share the gospel of Jesus Christ, because we will be rejected, unaccepted by our peers around us. I believe God is calling us to be his mailman this morning. He's calling us to deliver his mail. You know how odd it would be if, if, I, if, if my mailman would say, I don't think I'm going to deliver this mail because I don't think they would like it. I think if they opened up and actually read what's inside of it, I, I don't think they're going to like it. They might reject me. Wouldn't that be odd? Wouldn't that be silly? You see, mailmen don't care about the mail or not. Their, their, their job is just to hand it out. They don't care whether you like it or not. That's why they put all that, that the junk stuff, right, that we just put in a recycle. But Christians, we don't have junk. We don't have junk mail. We have the very message of eternal life. We have the message of deliverance. Are you ready to be God's mailmen and women, the messengers of God? Rather the world rejects you, accepts you? Today's message is titled, The Essential Message. Thank you, Regina, for reading 1 Peter 2, verse 4 through 12. So when Peter's writing this letter, guys, he's writing it to a group of Christians that are scattered. They're exiles. They are facing persecution. They're afraid, and, and, and what, Paul, what Peter is doing, he is making sure they understand who they are in Christ. They, he wants them to understand the message that they have of deliverance. It has power. Hey, this is not your home. You are exiles. Your true home is with, the, with God and his kingdom. So, God, so Peter is urging these Christians to be holy for God is holy, to reflect him on this earth. Don't go back to your former way of living. Embrace your new identity in Christ. And by understanding your new identity in Christ, I want you to now go and to proclaim his excellencies. So lesson one, the gospel of Jesus Christ is our central message. Verse four. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Did you catch what was said about Jesus? He is the living stone. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Peter is quoting Psalms 118. You see, the cornerstone literally set in the corner of the building. In the corner of the building, attaching two walls holding up the entire structure, keeping the whole building intact. You see, if the cornerstone was lump-sided, all the walls would be lump-sided, even the very building itself. 
what Peter is showing us in all of Scripture is that Jesus Christ is essential. Yet the one that was rejected by men. What makes Jesus so essential is that he is God. He is 100% God, but he took on human flesh. And he lived a perfect life. And he died the death that we deserve because of our sin. You see, through faith in this message, through faith in him, we can turn away from our sin and receive eternal life. That's good news. This is our essential message. The essential message of God. It is this Jesus that Israel rejected so, and so many others. Friends, let me take some time to consider this rejection. The one person that could save us, the one and only solution to our two greatest problems, our two greatest evil is sin and death. The one person that could do something about that, the, the remedy, the solution was rejected. Although he was rejected by men, but in the sight of God, he was chosen and precious. Do you see the love the father has for the son? To call him chosen and precious? You see, before Jesus started his earthly ministry, he was baptized by John the Baptist. And when he came out of the waters, the heavens opened up and there was a voice that said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. What affirmation did the father had for his son? Fathers, will you speak that type of affirmation over your children today, this week? Before Jesus accomplished anything, before he healed anyone, before he did any type of miraculous miracle, he heard that he is loved and chosen by his father. The father says, I love you and I have chosen you. You're precious. See, church, because we are united to Jesus, because when we put our faith in him, we become a part of, we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. That's Paul's language. The same words of affirmation that were spoken to the Father is now spoken to us. We receive what Jesus received. Jesus was rejected. Guess what? We're going to be rejected. But Jesus was accepted, and thus forth we are accepted. Jesus is chosen and precious. My beloved family, you are chosen and precious in the sight of God. Do you believe this? See, verse 5 tells us, you yourself like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, through faith in Christ, we become living stones in which God is building a spiritual house. No longer, no more need for a temple. You are the temple of God. No longer need to go to a priest to confess our sins. We can confess our sins right here, right now. You always have access to God. Let that sink in. No, no distinction, nothing cutting you off to enter the very presence of God. 
See, through faith in Christ, that's, that's what we receive. We are united to his son, Jesus Christ. He said, for it stands in scripture, behold, I am, lying, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him would not be put to shame. See, the glorious news of the gospel is that we would not be put to shame. Although we may re- be rejected by men, we are accepted by God. Chosen. Because Jesus took our shame on the cross to give us his righteousness. And three days later, he resurrected from the dead, conquering it. This is our central message, church, that our cornerstone is alive and he has made us alive. We are the church. Building upon this message. Did you get that? It was just a word spoken to you that allowed you to be sitting here today. It's that simple message of God's love and what he's done for you at the cross. That now we're building our lives upon it. See, this is honor. And the honor is for you who believe. But my friends here who don't believe and have not been united to Jesus, his message is a stumbling block. It's the only message in the world that reveals our human condition, the condition of every heart. The cross reveals our weakness. It shows us that we cannot earn salvation on our own. No matter how good you try to be, no matter how high you try to climb that ladder, you cannot reach the standard of God. You see, the further we try to go, the more we realize that, man, I'm messed up. This is impossible. It's impossible to get to God without God first coming to us. And that's what makes Christianity so unique. We have a God that doesn't say, hey, you guys come up to me. You guys work your way to me. Christianity is so unique that God said, I'm going to come down to you. And I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to lay down my life for you. See, the central message reveals our worth, but it also reveals our unworthiness, doesn't it? It shows us how, how, how amazing we are by being image bearers, but it also shows us that, man, we cannot live up to God's standards. So right down to our core, we are sinful, we're evil, and we're in need of his grace. You see, we don't like to hear that we can't help ourselves. We don't like to hear that we can't earn our way to God. That we don't have what it takes. That we need someone outside of us to change the inside of us. See, the offensive truth of, the, of our essential message is the call of repentance. See, our message calls someone to have to turn away from their sin, to turn away from, from their condition. Turn away from self-effort. To turn away from trying to earn your own salvation and to throw yourself upon this cornerstone. That's what we're calling people to do, to do, to throw themselves unto Jesus. He's the only one that can save us. We are in need of him. See, our deliverance from sin can only be accomplished through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And did he finish it? Oh, he finished it indeed. 
He is seated on his throne as the king of kings and Lord of lords. Verse eight tells us that a, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble because they disobeyed the a word as they were destined to do. That's strong language there, as they were destined to do. See, church, Jesus was rejected because his teachings were offensive. He taught that he is exclusively the way, the truth, and the life. That no one can come to the Father except through me. You see, if the world rejected Jesus, it will reject you. As long as your teaching um, lines up to everything that Jesus commanded and you're holding up this word, the world will reject you. The world will stumble upon it. The world must stumble upon it. They have to. You're going to have to deal with Jesus. Either he is a, a lunatic, right? Either he is out of his mind, he's just a nice guy, or maybe he is the son of God. You have to wrestle with him. You either have to throw himself, throw yourself at him, or he's going to crush you. See, the day of visitation, I wrestled with that this week. Is it the judgment of God? That is the day that we're all going to stand in front of Christ. Are you going to stand in front of him upon your own righteousness? Or are you going to say, no, nah, it's his righteousness, the one with the hose in his hands. That's who I'm trusting in. That's my Savior. That's my Lord. It's upon him that I stand and all other ground is sinking sand. The world must stumble upon it in order to become a living stone. But how is this possible? Lesson two. Proclaim the essential message because it has the power to call people out of darkness into God's marvelous light. Listen to verse nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, although the world may reject you, may you never forget who you are in Jesus Christ. God loves you and he has chosen you. It was nothing that you did to deserve it. He's just rich in grace and mercy. This is your status as being a child of God. This is your status as being united to Jesus Christ. You are a living stone. God chose you to be a part of his spiritual house. You see, although, although the world may humiliate you, God has honored you. Although the world may seek to shame you, but God has bestowed on you the very status of his son, Jesus Christ. You are righteous. You are glorious. Because Christ is in you and you are in Christ. See, church, your desire for acceptance has been met. So for me, I have to remember that daily. I don't have to live to, up to Pastor Andrew's approval. Right? He could come up to me and say, man, that sermon was terrible. And I'd be like, man, God loves me, brother. Give me a hug. He's using me. He's, he's growing me. Do you see it, though, that you are accepted by your heavenly father? Because you didn't disobey the word. You believed it. 
You believe the gospel, and now in the sight of God, you are his treasure. You're beautiful to him. Did you hear that? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That's what God is speaking over you this morning and every day. God has not only chosen us, but made us a royal priest. You see, priests were those who guided the people of God into the presence of God. They were the mediators for God and man. Church, your pastors are not priests. I'm, I'm just as much priest as you are, right? Sure, we, we oversee the, your discipleship and your spiritual growth, but guess what? You do the same thing. You are a priest. That's your status. You, you have the very words to bring someone into the very presence of God. Not even the words, just your being, just who you are, Christian. When you're in your workplace, do you realize that you're bringing the presence of God into your workplace? When you're sharing the gospel with someone in VBS next week, do you realize they encounter the very presence of God? Because of your union with Christ? Do you realize in your neighborhood, where you live, you bring the presence of God? You are the uh, light, you are the light of this world. A city that's on a hill, cannot be hidden. Why hide that light? This is, what, this is who God has made us to be through Christ. As priests, we serve and protect the world by pointing the world to the presence of God. We do this by proclaiming the excellencies of him. The work of priests is to bring God to man and to guide man to God. We do this by proclaiming our central message. The message of the cross. You see, as God's priests, we announce the good news of salvation that is offered through Jesus Christ so that all who repent and believe may come to Jesus and become living stones in his spiritual house. We represent God to the world while God in the world to God through the power of the gospel. The power of your message. Church, together as a spiritual house of God, we are the mediators of God to be a blessing to this world. See, we are called and equipped to tell the world about the glorious salvation that cannot be found anywhere else. No matter how high you look or how low you look, you can never find a salvation, a, a deliverance that says you can do nothing but just put your faith on, upon him to receive him. That's how we become children of God. See, God has chosen an imperfect people to be a soundboard to reveal the kingdom of God here on this earth. What a privilege and responsibility. We are a holy nation. What that means is that we are distinct people from the world. Like Israel, the church is to be different from the world for the sake of the world. Every week when we gather, we are the, em the embassy of the kingdom of God. You realize that? When, when someone who comes in here that's not a Christian, they're able to see what the kingdom is like. Through your love, through your diversity, through your presence. Church family, when you show up this morning, it's an encouragement to everyone. Even if you don't say a word, just your very presence here 
It's just singing a song like, I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me with gusto. Man, that is impactful. Every week, we get to put that on display. We get to make known the excellencies of him who call us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, there is nothing more exciting or essential that is happening right now in our world than what is happening right now, God's word being proclaimed. Do you believe that? The church, that we are God's chosen possession. You are his treasure. We belong to him. We have been bought with a price. You see, the purpose of, or the goal of our salvation is to offer the spiritual sacrifices of sharing the glorious news of Jesus Christ, of his life, death, and resurrection. Let me ask you, when was the last time you shared your faith? When was the last time you told someone the good news of the gospel? Or what about your own personal salvation story? When did, you, when did you open up your mouth and say, hey, I was once this, but now I'm not. I was once dead, and now I'm alive. I was once in darkness, but now I'm in light. And this is why. Would you do that this week? Would you sign up and, and, and volunteer at Grace Gibbs and, and, and to share that with a, with a kid at VBS? Or someone at the car wash? If we truly believe that the essential message of the gospel has the power to call people out of darkness, why aren't we sharing it? See, verse 10 reminds us that, this is verse 10, it reminds us that once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, we just went from Exodus to Hosea in just a couple of verses. God delivered us from sin, but now we're a bunch of gomers, right? Verse 9 shows us how we are, are, are the new Israel. Verse 10 reminds us of the mercy God extends to his people. You see, the prophet Hosea was asked by God to marry an unfaithful woman named Gomer. You see, their relationship was meant to symbolize God and Israel. You can guess who was the unfaithful wife, right? Israel goes on to reject God over and over and over. Then God then declares that Israel is no longer his people and they will no longer receive mercy. To make his point even clear, he tells them to name their children. No mercy and not my people. So if you're having children, I do not recommend if you're looking for Bible names, I wouldn't recommend these two. Just saying. So praise God that this story doesn't end there. See, God goes on to tell Israel, let's read Hosea together. He says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and steadfast love and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. And I will sow her, I will sow her for myself in the land and I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. Is that what you're saying this morning? That God, you are my God. 
See, what, God, what caused God to extend grace and mercy upon his people? What causes God to extend grace and mercy to us? when we make all kinds of excuses for not proclaiming the gospel? You see, it's Jesus. It, it's him. You see, he's the one who obeyed fully. He didn't fail at proclaiming the, the essential message of the gospel. He spoke up at all the right times. He never had a failed evangelistic opportunity. And he offered up spiritual sacrifices like no other. He is the chosen man, the royal high priest, the holy one, the most treasured amongst all treasures. That's our God. That's our savior. The greater Hosea who committed himself to a bunch of unfaithful gomers. Church, you are united to Jesus Christ. The one who is faithful to you when you're not faithful to him. The one who empowers you to boldly proclaim the goodness of God. The one who had commissioned you. The one that promised to be with us even to the very end of the age. See, it is Christ we proclaim. Not anything else. You see, don't get stuck talking about sports at the, at, on lunch break, talking about the politicians, right? Don't get caught up doing that. We are his high priest. I know the gas prices are going up, but let's keep Christ central. Let's talk about Jesus. He is the cornerstone. Let me tell you, you don't need to be an expert at apologetics. If someone comes up to you and say, I can't, I don't, I don't trust the Bible. Or, oh, the world is going to end. Let's just talk about that. When is the world going to end? You don't have to have all those answers. But do you know Jesus? Can you share Christ? Can you proclaim his life, death, and resurrection to this world? So that way they can experience their own life, death, and resurrection. See, the gospel has the power to call people out of darkness. Do you believe that? Will you share it? Like, lesson three. The message of Christ changes the way we live as exiles. See, verse 11 says this. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which raise war against your soul. Church, we are sojourners. We are foreigners. This world is not our home. Just like Israel, we are wandering in the wilderness. We are already set free from the slavery of sin, but we're awaiting the day when we be in the presence of our God in the new earth. Until then, guess what? We are aliens in a foreign land. We are foreign missionaries. No matter where you live, Christian, you are on the mission field. You have been sent by God to proclaim his excellencies. Do you see yourself as a missionary? Do you see yourself as an exile? Your home is with the Lord, not here. We are called to forsake all the things that, that we can be attached to on this earth. 
whatever that can distract you from your mission as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You see, your earthly treasures, like your careers, they're not the kingdom you represent. Your bank account, your 401k, they are not the kingdom you're called to rule. Even your family is not the kingdom that you're called to put on display. It's the kingdom of God. See, these things are good and for us to enjoy and to show that our greatest allegiance is the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified. Peter says to abstain from the passions of the flesh. That is, he's calling us to battle against our sin. How are you doing in this battle with sin? You see, the, the fight actually takes place inside of our minds. The fight doesn't take place around us. It's not against each other. It's not flesh and blood. It's against our own evil passions, our own desires. He says it, he says it earlier in chapter 2. He says, put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. That's not who you are. You have been brought with a price. You're a holy nation. You're a royal priest. Are you putting to death the sin in your life and loving others? Or are you indulging in sin while looking down on the world? See, Peter goes on to tell us in verse 12 to keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak evil against you, they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. To keep your conduct. Conduct here refers to the day-by-day pattern of our lives. Peter is calling the Christians to be who they are in Christ. Are you his marvelous light? Live that out. Are you chosen and precious in God's sight? Live that out. Are you loved by God? Then love others. Have you received mercy? Give mercy to others. God is not calling us to do something that he hasn't equipped us to do. You see, it is, it is your love for others that would expose their fear, their worries, and maybe even their lack of faith. Their lack of trust in the essential message of the gospel. See, God didn't make us priests of his light to cause us to hide in the darkness, but to go into the darkness with the light of, in love of Jesus Christ. So when they speak evil against you, may they see your good works and glorify God on the day of visitation. Could the day of visitation be the day of salvation? You see, next week during Grace Gives, will we provide a living witness to a dying world? We get to put God's love on display. You see, the hope for not only next week, but every day of our lives is that an unbelieving world will end up glorifying God for what they recognize to do to be good deeds. You see, our good works may lead to others recognizing and submitting to the essential message of the gospel. Where we, his carriers, his mail carriers, just the living God's mail. Is that you, Christian? Church, you are accepted and chosen by God the God of the universe. Will you share the essential message boldly and watch the Holy Spirit use your proclamation to call someone out of darkness into his marvelous light? That's an exciting work. Let's pray.
Father God, thank you so much for your love, that we are chosen, that we're not forsaken, that we are who you say we are. You are for us and not against us. So precious Lord, take our hands. Lead us on, help us stand. Now we confess that we're tired, we're weary, and we're in need of you. God, we know that we're exiles. We know that this world is not our home because we know it's, it's just too broken. It's evil. We're tired of fighting against our own sin, Lord. We can't wait to go home. We can't wait to see you face to face, Jesus. But as our longings increase for that day, help us to go forth as, as your royal priests. Help us to proclaim the good news. Help us not to, to, to fear away the message of the gospel. Jesus, take allegiance in our hearts. Use us for your kingdom and for your glory. We want to make you famous throughout the earth. We want the name of Jesus to be lifted higher. Not Grace Baptist Church, not our own families, not our own agenda. We want Jesus Christ to be glorified. Be glorified in and through us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.